before the newly ordained Most Reverend Brendan Fairley comes. Kind of intimidating sitting with them. He asked me to read the text this morning. If you have your Bibles, open them to Galatians 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 in the NIV version. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, Some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Wow! Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Brendan, would you come? Let's pray. Lord, we, um, we are here, and I thank you that we are here. I thank you that we get to be here together in your presence and receive what you have for us this morning to take beyond these walls and minister into the lives of others as you continue to minister to us. So, Lord, I, I ask right now that we would all be asking the question, what do you want to show us? What do, you want us to say? what do you want to say to us this morning? And I ask in the name of Jesus, you'd open our eyes so that we can see you, that you'd open our ears so that we could hear and receive you. So Lord, we pray for your blessing over this time this morning as we worship you through the word, as we worship you through music, as we worship you through community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. <laughs> A reverend. Most reverends I work with are losing their hair, so I'm getting concerned. <laughs> Sorry, have lost their hair. <laughs> Those of you that were at the ordination yesterday, thank you um, for the cards, your presence, everything. It was just a wonderful time of, of Jesus just overflowing, I really believe. And I, and I believe he wants to continue that anointing this morning. Well, you, you see our beautiful stage here. You see this big banner. What does it say on the banner? Read it for me. What does that mean? Not rhetorical. Daniel. What? You don't need anything else. That's pretty okay. You're an overachiever. I was hoping we'd get a few more wrong answers first. 
Yes, we don't need anything else. Well, we're in the book of Galatians. We just came out of the book of Ephesians, where we learned about, as Christians, who we are in Christ, our value in Christ, in the first three chapters, in the last three chapters. Now, how is that fleshed out? How is Jesus fleshed out in our lives? And now we're moving into Galatians. And Galatians is a, a book that is dear to my heart. And uh, it was called uh, Martin Luther's book. You know Martin Luther? You love Galatians because this is what Paul is dealing with here is the things that he was dealing with in his time. And so we're not doing an expositional study, which means line by line dissecting it. But there are a few things I want to point out as we begin to uh, enter this journey into Galatians. And first and foremost, Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians because there are Judaizers, Jewish Christians, Jewish Christians who are preaching a different gospel than the one Paul presented. Now, what do I mean by that, a different gospel? Well, the Jews lived by the Mosaic law. Do we know this? Most of us, they lived by the law. There were these laws that they had to obey every day. There was over 600 of them. And if, when, you, when you have that many laws you have to obey every day, do you feel free? No. I would be frightened every single day. I mean, because some of these laws, you break them, you get stoned to death. Wow, I'm excited about waking up the next day. Right? No margin for error, it feels like. And so Christ comes on the scene, and he's the fulfillment of the law. And so now we've been freed from that, and that's the gospel that Paul presents. But now you have these people in the churches of Galatia that are saying, well, there are certain things in the law that I think you know, we still need to do. One of them was circumcision. So the, the Gentiles that were being um, brought to Christ were now being told by Judaizers they need to be circumcised. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. We have freedom in Christ Jesus. Through grace, by faith, we are justified by faith, not by the law. Does this make sense? So this is what Paul's writing to. Now his first, first thing he says, and many of his letters start this way. He says, Paul, an apostle. What's an apostle? You tell me. What? Speak up. Boldness. Teacher. Did someone say homework? Sorry, I heard homework. That was weird. What, what else? Spiritual authority. Okay, yeah. What else? Anybody else want to give it a shot? A church planter. Okay. Haven't heard that one. Yeah. Anybody else? Last one, going once, going twice. A follower, okay. Apostle, um, and in the Greek, simply means a messenger. Now, in this context, a messenger with the authority of Jesus Christ. Okay, sent on mission by Jesus Christ. So Paul is establishing that he has authority in Christ Jesus. Now, as Mark read, the intro here... Paul, an apostle, one sent by Christ, sent not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters. And then he goes into his introduction. He's, he, the gospel he's preaching did not come from who? Man. Why is that important to notice? If, if Paul is writing a letter to people that are teaching a different gospel, 
that, that would put us back into slavery, why is it important that he identifies that he is an apostle sent not from man, but from God? Why would that be important? Now put yourself in, in the recipients of this letter in their shoes. Why would that be important to you to know? What? Authority. Right. He's God's man. Because he received this directly out of revelation from God, which we'll see in, in, in verse 11. So he establishes his authority right away so that the people know he knows what he's talking about here and he has the authority to say what he's about to say. Now what's interesting about this letter is the introduction here, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty standard in most of Paul's letters. But it's usually followed up with Paul saying, I thank the Lord for all the things that he's doing in you and the faithfulness you have. But if you look in verse 3 through 5, he doesn't say that. Because this letter is bringing some correction. Because the people have, have taken the gospel and now distorted it. They, they've made it something that it's not. And so Paul, he's a bold man. And he brings correction right away. And what's so beautiful about this is he establishes what the true gospel is in this introduction. Follow me here in, in verse in verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us, to take us out of slavery, not put us back in it. Okay, so that Paul's emphatic about that. He establishes the tone of the letter right away. Is that pretty clear? I am, I have the authority of Jesus Christ that has been given to me directly from him, not anybody else but him, and here's the gospel. Bam. I mean, we could spend weeks just on that. We don't have that kind of time today. I'd love to camp in that because that's huge. He establishes right out of the gate. And in verse 6, he says this, I am astonished. That's a huge word here. Astonished. Now, when we hear astonished, it's like, whoa. You know, we're kind of taken back. But really, in the Greek, the, the true meaning of the word is to lose all of your senses. I mean, you are so taken back and almost so in awe of what you're seeing and surprised that you don't even know what to do. Has anyone ever experienced that? I just went to Valley Fair with the kids and went on a ride, and I felt that way. I lost all my senses in almost my lunch. And I did not know what to think or what to feel. It was horrible. And Paul's saying here, I am, I am lost all senses that you are so quickly deserting, leaving the one who called you. Now, that's a powerful word, isn't that? Deserting, almost betraying, going a completely different direction. Well, if we look at it from a bird's eye view, it's kind of like, well, come on, they just wanted to get circumcised. They still believe in Jesus. Doesn't seem like it's a desertion, does it? Just a little formality. No. Something that seems like it's not a big deal, obviously, is a huge deal. Because the language that is used in Scripture is intentional. It has intention. And we'll see here that he repeats himself. And anytime scripture repeats itself, you better pay attention. Because they're trying to make a point. 
So he uses the word deserting. The one who called you to live in the grace. To live in the grace. Not in the law, not in slavery, but in the grace. In the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. None of it. Well, now what, what does gospel mean? Literally, it means good news. And so, in this context, being put back into slavery, is that good news? <laughs> That's bad news. <laughs> I mean, imagine, you live every day to these laws. Christ comes on the scene, and now you're, you're free from that. And now you get to engage in a lovely relationship where the fleshing out of Jesus will produce good works because who he is in you. Not because you have to, but because you want to, and it's an outpouring of his love and grace. So imagine you experience that, and someone's coming along now saying, no, you got to go back to that anxiety, you know, where you were fearing, you know, fearing being stoned every day you woke up. Or, I mean, how can you live that way? And Paul's like, no, you're not meant to live that way. And here comes the repetition. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's a big word, too. Distort it. Demolish it. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And I heard Mark go, wow, and I'm like, that's not in my translation. But really, wow, right? That's, it, would that be easy for you to hear? <laughs> right? I mean, when, when you have an embedded theology, meaning something... Let me give you an example of what that means. I grew up in the church, and so I had an idea from the context that I was in um, what my theological stand was without working it out for myself. And so growing up and and studying who Jesus is in my life, I understood that there were certain things that I was brought up with that weren't necessarily truth things. That was my embedded theology. So you imagine these people have been living to the law for so long, you almost can't blame them for kind of carrying it in to the the freedom that we're bringing Christ Jesus, right? I mean, you're talking about a pattern that's been set for a long time. But Paul doesn't seem to have any sensitivity towards that because he himself was a part of that pattern. And he himself understood the freedom that came in Christ Jesus because this is a guy that was killing Christians, persecuting them, And here he runs into Jesus and life is different. And that's why he can say, I didn't learn under anybody but Jesus Christ. Nobody. And he cannot go back. And those that teach you to go back are cursed. Yikes. Where's the grace there? No, no. Once you're in Jesus, man, you don't be teaching someone else to go away from him. To be cursed. And cursed really literally means to be laid up, to lay something up. And in this context, to lay something up for destruction. (laughs) Yikes. They will be destroyed. And he uses the word eternally. Forever. That's what that means. It's intense, isn't it? You're cursed to destruction forever if you lead my children astray. That's, that's heavy. And then he says it again. As we already said, so now I say again. So if you didn't hear me that, that time, hear me this time. 
you lead anyone astray, you are eternally cursed. And that's heavy. And it's a little scary. But Paul is so emphatic about the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And he doesn't want anybody to walk outside of that or be led outside of that. And then he goes in the next few verses, he says, I'm not trying to please man, only God alone. And then he reiterates, I didn't learn any of this from anyone else. There's no distortion here, because I heard it from the horse's mouth. Not to call Jesus a horse, but you know what I'm saying, right? From Jesus. Didn't he hear it from, he'll go, he'll go, he'll go on and, and reiterate this later in the, in the book, in the letter, but he says... I didn't learn it from Peter, who walked with Jesus. I didn't learn it from John, who walked with Jesus. I learned it directly from Jesus. From him. And I have all authority in Christ Jesus. All of it. All of it. You know, and this is interesting, because this is a tension for me. This is a tension for me. Because um, yesterday I got ordained. Now, my view of ordination was, you know... Now I'm being called a reverend. Now I'm being called a pastor because man says that now I am. But God's calling my life to be a preacher of the gospel happened long before yesterday. So I feel like Paul in a way because I feel like, no, God called me. You didn't call me. God called me. And then we find out, you know, Paul was blessed by, by Peter and the other apostles and, and released into that by them, but because they already acknowledged that he knew Jesus and already acknowledged that he was a messenger of Jesus Christ without having to him to learn from them. They acknowledge that. So this is, this is timing. I mean, this is perfect timing for me because it's, it's a message to my heart as well. And that the apostles honored what they saw. Not to say, now you can go do it, because... We've laid hands on you, but we lay hands on you to honor what God is already doing. So that brings special, this text brings special meaning for me personally because of that. So do we understand the context now of what we're talking about? You with me here? So now what does it mean to us today is the question we want to ask. You know, because when we talk about false gospels, well, obviously the Jewish law is not one for us. We're not going around saying you need to be circumcised, you need to be circumcised, right? You say that, you get sent to, you know, trial or something, you get sued for sexual harassment or something like that, right? Are you circumcised? Let's do it. It's not going to fly here. It's not going to fly here. But we have other things that we uh, allow ourselves to step into that put us into slavery. We have that as a culture, and we have that as a church culture. We have, um, I, I can speak for just as from my context, being, a, we've talked about here before, a slave to the pew, the church pew, right? You're not here every Sunday, you miss a Sunday, you're not walking with Jesus. I've heard that before. Has anyone heard that before? Or something like that? False gospel. Hey, and I've heard this too. Brendan, you're wearing a hat. Do you even believe in Jesus? Heard that too. How can you walk into this sanctuary with a hat on, you sinner? Well, colorful language was going through my head at that time. I was in high school, so 
false gospel. You have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that. In order to be truly walking with Jesus, that's false gospel. All I need is Jesus. I don't don't need to have my hat off to step into the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't need to be sitting in this pew every Sunday to be stepping and walking into the grace of Jesus Christ. If anything, I should be out there expressing the grace of Jesus Christ to people that need to know it and that need to receive it. So we have all these false gospels around us. You see denominations breaking over it, right? Splitting up over social issues, over the inability to read Scripture and stand firm in Scripture, or the inability to study and learn to study Scripture in such a way that you've got tension. And I was talking to my uncle about this yesterday. We had a long time about this. The tension of the two extremes we experience in church in certain issues. Right? You've got churches that are splitting on all kinds of issues because one's in one extreme, one's in the other. But how do we hold the tension and not compromise who Jesus is? Because you go too far in any direction, you'll compromise him. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, he was the master, the master of staying righteous in the midst of the tension. It's pretty cool. And so you see even the church... get falling into these false gospels all over the place. And then you have the internal ones. When the enemy throws at you, the insecurities, the fears. I mean, how many of us have designed or shaped the pattern of living in our lives to insecurities? Yikes. Is that freedom? No. False gospel. They're all over the place. A great example, a great example um, of of false gospels. And and when Paul is saying, if you hear it from an angel, if you hear it from me or anyone else, let them be accursed because that's not the true gospel. Mormonism is one because their whole theology is built on a message from an angel that isn't Jesus Christ. And I remember being in, in college and I was, man, if you think I'm a truth teller now, and a tr- I was a truth teller without a filter. And <laughs> it was not a good scene. And um, we had just started an on-campus church, a couple guys and I, because every church in the area just seemed really dry and wasn't spirit-filled. And, and I, you know, isn't it interesting how some of the greatest movement of God in your life is in the midst of your brokenness? It's just really neat how he does that. And I was probably at the lowest I've been ever, and God produces this great thing. And so <laughs> my buddy Witt, who's one of the guys that started this thing with me, said that a woman he worked with wanted to send more missionaries to his room, to his dorm room, to talk to him. He said, can you be there? And I said, sure, I can be there. <laughs> you already know where this is going. And so... These two guys, come, they come in twos, right? You see that in Scripture, don't you? He sends them out two by two. So it looks similar. And they got their little badges, and it says Elder whatever. And I, and I will never forget this. You had Elder Brady and Elder Corton. And one is all, and they're both guys. And there's one that has done this before, and there's one that's learning. So you see discipleship in practice. Right? So there's some truths to it, which is why it's, it's seductive looking. Right? 
Um, and, and they actually go and practice what they believe. So there's some fundamental things here that are true. Their theology is not, but the way they execute it, the way they live it out, it's pretty good, right? That's why it's, it's, it's just taking this country by storm. That's why, you know, it's, there's some good things about it. Um, so they come in and they sit down, and I'm sitting there, and Witt's a schmoozer. I mean, he's a, he's a business guy. He's good at working the room. And I'm sitting there, and, and I hear this in my head, battle. That's just, has anyone ever seen the movie Michael with John Travolta? He's an angel. And every time he's, he sees someone come at him, he's like, battle. He just yells, battle. And he goes after him. Right? That's what I kept hearing, battle. I was so excited to take my Bible and go, Toof. It brought me joy to picture it, to envision it, and even more joy to execute it. And, and so I, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to them, and so we're going through the, you know, the theological sparring back and forth and all of this stuff. And this passage hit me, because here's a false gospel coming at me, and it, and it came at Timothy, too, as, as we'll hear, and, and he said no to it. So this was my opportunity to say no to it, because... They're convincing at a point, right? Has anyone ever listened to one? They can be compelling. They can be convincing. And so the younger one, Courtney, he's Elder Courtney, he says, Brendan, would you please read the Book of Mormon? I said, no. Now, some pastors will read it to understand it. I didn't even want to go there. I said, no, I don't want to. Please. I said, look, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, and I get it takes courage and energy and time and investment, but no, please, no, and Witt's going, oh my gosh, he's sitting here, because we had some words before that, and he's, he's sinking in his seat, because I had no filter, let's just say grace wasn't upon me that day, and Courtney, he gets to the point, Courtney starts crying, and he's crying, and he's crying, and Witt's like, we should probably end this, so we end it, and then the long and short was, the word got back to the Mormon bishop of Philadelphia where I was. And so he invited us to his house. And <laughs> so Wick goes, he gives me the speech. I felt like I was married to him. We're sitting in the car. He's like, you be on your best behavior. He goes, you don't talk until I tell you you can talk. Okay, and we had done our studies and research on all this, so we're sitting there, and we got to this point of freedom, and Witt was, was standing there, he just, he, he had been doing all the talking, he couldn't handle it anymore, and uh, he says, okay, Brendan, <laughs> and I'd just been listening for an hour, and I just simply said, I simply said to him, I said, okay, you're, you're saying all these things that you have to live by, but how is that freeing me from a life that I'm already in slavery? I'm already in slavery. Why, why do I want to be in another slavery, form of slavery? And he couldn't answer me. And I said, Jesus teaches grace that frees me into a love relationship that transforms me because of his power, not because I go with a, call myself an elder and I do a two-year missionary thing and then now I'm in the celestial heaven and have my own world or whatever it is they have, you know. 
It's because of the freedom and of the grace of Christ. And he sat there. And that, this was God speaking through me because I said it in a nice tone. I didn't have a nice tone then. So I knew it was Jesus and not me. And it was one of those things where after you say it, you go, what happened? I, I spaced out for a few minutes. <laughs> so I can't claim anything on that. That was Jesus. And he was stumped. And he said, I can't answer that. And I said, well, I appreciate your time. We're done. And we left. And we left. Grace is, is an act that comes out of God's love. And it differentiates It's what sets us apart from everything and everyone in this world. It's the love of God shown through his grace and shown through his mercy. And so we are people of grace. We are people of freedom. I mean, what's men out here, what's the famous line that has freedom in it? In a movie. Thank you, freedom! When you see it for the first time, every man in that theater is crying. Kill freedom, yeah! You're balling because it's true. Freedom. We are people of promise. We are people of grace. We are people of freedom. And I want to end with this story because this is what, this is what we face every day. This is the temptation. I wanted to show a video clip um, but, uh, of, of this movie called Equilibrium, which is a kind of a, a spin off of the, uh, the novel Fahrenheit 451. Has anyone read that? And um, uh, the, the premise of the movie is that this, it's in the future and society has taken a toll. They've had World War III. It, was, it seems kind of crazy. But now the society has developed a serum or a medicine that suppresses human emotion because human emotion can lead, if not contained appropriately, into rage, anger, and violence. So now their answer to it was to shut it off. So the freedom that we have... We no longer have because we can't make the right choices in the midst of our freedom, and so they shut it off. And so they have these group of policemen, basically, that have no emotion, that eradicate, and I mean eradicate anyone that does not adhere to the new rule. So those who want to go on feeling will be destroyed. And so this movie stars Christian Bale. Does anyone know who he is? He's a British hunk, and that's why we're not showing the video. And... He, he, decides, he decides not to take it. There were things that were happening because something was breaking through and he decided not to take it. And now imagine, it's, I, I look at Gracie and, and I envy her in a way because everything's new. It has a new sensation. It has wow, wonderment. And it's like, boom. And you see a grown man who's never experienced wonderment and he wakes up out of his bed, and this is where he has his shirt off, and he's got a six-pack, and I don't need another reason to be insecure, so we're not going to watch it. And he goes to his window, and his window has this cover on it um, that's painted on, so you can't see outside, because if you see the beauty of God's creation, it will produce emotion. So he, he sees kind of a light coming, and he scratches it, and he's, he's, he's scratching it off, and all of a sudden he sees the sunset. And this is, you know, it's, it's a... A goofy movie in some ways, but it's a poignant scene because all of a sudden he sees the sunset. He sees rain coming down and the, the sunlight hitting through the, the rain. And you know what that does, right? I mean, wonderment. <sighs> the good kind of losing all of your senses. And so 
he sits there and he starts crying. He doesn't know what to do and he panics because he's experiencing freedom for the first time. He runs to his bathroom and he picks up the serum that's in this little um, syringe and he's looking in the mirror where you see a six-pack again and he goes like this and he's about to go right back into slavery and the scene stops. And it's such a beautiful picture of the temptation around us when we experience freedom and how instead of learning to wrestle with the freedom we have and walk with Jesus and wrestle with him because it's new life and we don't know how to live it yet, instead of going through that, we go, "Mm, I'd rather go back here because at least I knew what was going on. And the Jews have a history of this. Exodus 14, when they're in front of the Red Sea, they say it would be better to go back because they're coming after us. It'd be better to go back into slavery than face this sea, and I don't know how I'm going to get across it. And then we see that beautiful scene, and and the water splits in God's glory. That's about God's glory. Not just the rescue of his people, but his glory is seen. And so this scene depicts that. Because I often feel that way. I go to the mirror. You've ever looked at the mirror, right? You look at the mirror every day. I mean, I go to the bathroom, and I look at the mirror before I go to the bathroom, you know? And... I mean, right? We always want to see ourselves. And we don't always like what we see. And we're challenged by what we see. And we stand there and we have a decision to make. Am I going to say yes to Jesus today? Am I going to say yes to grace? Am I going to say yes to freedom? Am I going to say yes to the call of my life? Am I going to step fully into that call, no matter how challenging, no matter how much wrestling I have to do? Or am I going to go back to slavery? That's the question that's before you today. Because we can't afford is the church. The church, Dallas Willard has said, Dallas Willard is a great theologian, a great um, mind, was, he just passed, um, great mind on uh, spiritual disciplines and life in the spirit. And he says the church is meant to lead the world through Jesus Christ. Not just change the world through Jesus Christ, but lead the world. Because Christ is in us. How can we do that if we compromise the freedom in Jesus? If we put ourselves back into slavery? This is Paul's issue with the church in Galatia, and it's the issue we face today. Because one of the things is we think we have entitlement to certain things. Well, this, you know, Scripture's challenging because it wants me to do this and it wants me to do that. And I don't know if I want to do that. So I'll take some of this, because that's good. And then my entitlement says I'm going to take some of this gospel. That's all false gospel. It's a forgery of what God has designed for you and for me. I would rather have freedom and wrestle with it, fail and allow God. The word I heard yesterday was admit my infallibility and allow God to move me through it so I can fully understand how to embrace the freedom that comes to me through Jesus Christ. Instead of run from it because it seems too big and too great and what do I do? So the question is, what gospel are you living today? I mean, not to sound cliche, but what is it? Because if it's not the one of Jesus Christ, it is no gospel at all. Because what better news is it that we are free through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? There is no better news. So all other news is not good news because that is good news according to the definition that Scripture uses for the word good because who is who's the only one that is good? God alone, Scripture says, is good. Alone is good. 
So what he does is good, and that's good news. And that is what we're to live in every day. I don't want to go to the mirror and go, because I'm too frightened at what it means. And that's why we have the church. Christ is with us always. He's with us in community. He's with us in spirit. So we're never alone in the battle to understand the freedom and to wrestle with it. We do it together. And, and when we embrace it, when we go after it, you seek, you shall what? Find. And guess what you're going to find? Him, his love, his grace. At the end of the day, it's not about how much theology I know. It's not about how much I've been to church. It doesn't matter how many things I've served in. It's always and always going to be about Jesus and what he wants to do in you for the sake of his kingdom, not your kingdom. That is, that is the call of the church. And that's the freedom we want to live and thrive in, wrestle with. And lead people into. We're about freedom, not bondage. So let's not choose slavery because we're too afraid to step into the unknown of freedom. Freedom! Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Whew. May we receive it right now. Or we're going to have time to get prayer. We're going to have time of offering. We're going to have time of communion. All these wonderful things. But as we enter into them, if we've been living in bondage, and allowing ourselves to live in bondage up to this point, Lord, I, I pray in the name of Jesus with the sword of the Spirit that you would break those chains in Jesus' name. That you would break them. And that we would allow them fall off of us, that we would not pick them back up and wrap ourselves back into them, but we would let you take them from us, and that we would step into this time, the time that we have now, that we would step into worship, that we would step into prayer ministry, that we would step into communion as free people, freed by the name of Jesus Christ, stepping into your love and grace. It is a new day. It is a new moment. It is a new breath we have to breathe in and out, and so, Lord, I pray that we would do that with freedom. So if we've been in slavery, I pray that today would be the first day of our breathing free air in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We ask that you bless the offering time. We pray again that we would give the faith of a child because it's about you, not about our banks, not about um, uh, our agendas. It is about you, and we want to honor you. We want to honor you with our money, with our choices, with our thoughts, with our relationships, and everything we do, we want to honor you. And so, Lord, lead us in a time now of complete abandon as we worship you in spirit and truth, in freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.